Are you ready to uncover your retirement solution? Learn more as Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you along the path of retirement and reveal the five steps you need to take to solve your retirement puzzle. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Retirement Revealed with Jeremy Kyle. Today we're going to be talking about want. And this is actually, I believe, part five of a five-part series. Is that right, Jeremy? That's it. Uh, well, it's actually part four. Oh, part it's part four, four today. Series. All right. Nice. You got it. Yeah, we're still there. We're getting there. All right. So we're covering want today. And this mm-hmm. is, uh, I mean, everybody wants something. <laughs> no, yeah, you got it. It's a pretty it. broad topic. What are we, we going to focus on? Very broad. We're, we're talking about what do you want in the future All right. and how are you going to get that. So a lot of times when you're younger, you're saving for retirement, you want to have some money in retirement. And where do you invest your money? More in stock market, long-term type of investments. Mm-hmm. And we figure just because you're retiring doesn't mean you, you don't want anything anymore. You don't want a future anymore. Uh, it's just opposite. Uh, before you had a, a long-term, you had a, some growth investments. And when you hit retirement, you still need both of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, badly. Yeah, you, you've got to have that or else there's a, you know, you, you put yourself in risk. So mm-hmm. interesting. All right. Well, wanting the future. I like that. Yeah. And it's, uh, we try to boil this down each of the five steps into uh, five different words. And we could have gone with long-term because we're talking about long-term money. Could have mm-hmm. gone with growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the the growth and the the, the investments there, but we uh, decided to call it want because you you want money in the future you don't have it yet, and if we emphasize that this is a want, then it emphasizes that it's not guaranteed. Right? Your your money is mm. not guaranteed to grow, it just probably will, and we need to set your investments up so when the market goes up or down, uh, how are you going to react to that? Yeah, I, I think this is perfect because we want security when we're older. It doesn't mean we're always going to have that. We want good health in the future, but it doesn't mean we're always going to have that. And so this falls in line with all of those, and, and uh, I think it's a great topic for today. Yeah, that's that's what we're, we're looking at. And it's not a matter of the old days where you maybe invested in the stock market while you were working. Then you hit retirement, you took your pension, you took your Social Security, and you went and bought a bunch of CDs at the bank, and you started living on the interest rate. That's just not how it works anymore. All right. So how does it work? Well, it's uh, it's such a low interest rate uh, situation that you just can't rely on things that have interest, those bonds, those CDs. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. rely on that for the long term. That's great for the short term, and that's what we think you need. That's why we called the, the third part of this uh, five-part series, What Do You Need? And once you've decided how much money you need, you need to have set aside for that short, short run, you need to start looking at the long run. And when it comes to the long run, it's pretty well documented that the stock market will you know, outperform over time. It's It's been like that for, for ages. The problem is that it uh, doesn't do it day to day, but the market happens to historically uh, beat other investments over time. And yeah. we want to help you figure out how much risk do you take in the stock market and help you uh, figure out which investments you look for. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I remember having a conversation with one of the young men that I worked with uh, that, that actually lived with my wife and I when we worked at Boys Town. And we were talking about investing and things. He had no concept of it, really. He had never been introduced to it. So we were just talking about it. And, and we both had an account at the local credit union, which is actually the Boys Town Credit Union. And I remember seeing the statement, and we were talking about it, that I believe on the savings, uh, they were paying point 
one or some point. I mean, it was under a percentage. Yeah, very nice. Exactly. Yeah, 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 for under a percentage for for uh, uh, interest. And his comment was, "Well, at least I'm making money if it's in there." And then I said, "But are you right?" And so then, mm-hmm. then I had to explain inflation to him, and I had to explain some other things, and he was very upset at that. <laughs> so yeah, of course. You know, then taxes too. He, oh, absolutely. We didn't even we didn't even, yeah. we didn't even touch taxes because he, tax he wasn't that ready penny. for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so, I mean yeah. it's 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 very very poignant that you're you know there's got to be some sort of risk, and in, in that savings account, there's very 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 little risk, if any. Uh, but that means there's mm-hmm. very very little gain, if any. So you know. Well, that's why you save for the long term, is that Mm -hmm. you understand whatever you need to buy today is most likely going to cost you more in the future, and you have to find something that's probably going to keep up with those costs, and the the stock market itself, uh, investing in different ways there, uh, is likely in the long run to to help you out there. Mm -hmm. Well, when we're talking about investing, a lot of people think it matters which stocks they're buying, and they're looking for the next great stock. Uh, How can I double my money, 10x my money? Mm-hmm. Should I be trading back and forth every day, paying attention to it? And it's just uh, something you can't control, in our opinion. You can't control what the stock market's doing, and it doesn't matter too much uh, how much you're going to trade every day. If you spend a lot of time picking the best investment stock you can find, you just can't control that stuff. So we'd rather focus on some other things you can control. Like what? And the first one, yeah, the first one is uh, risk. You can choose how much risk you want in the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you're not beholden to exactly what the stock market's doing. And of course, what's interesting is when you dive into it, there's a lot more different stock markets out there. There's no just big thing called the stock market. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. when you're investing, you need to spread your money out in different ways to make sure um, that you, you've got the right level of risk. And what's interesting about, interesting about all that is a lot of people have more risk than they think they do. Really? We met someone, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. And I just read a story about this. They uh, went to basically 100 different financial advisors, gave an example of uh, here's the, the clients, what would you propose in this situation? And their answers ranged from 100% stock to 0% stock. And so the unfortunate part of it is even when you go to a professional, you need to understand what their definition of, of risk is. Seriously? So for us, yeah, hmm. you got it. For us, our definition of risk is we just like to figure out basically on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the riskiest, how much risk are you willing to take? And then let's set up the portfolio to to match that level. And we come up with a score, let's say 6. You're wanting kind of in the middle, but a little bit more than that. If you happen to have a lot more than 60% in the stock market, that's not a 6 out of 10. That might be a 9 or 10 out of 10. So one really? thing you ought to do, yeah, it's amazing. And you got to talk to your advisor to make sure that they know how much risk you want to take, but you ought to know how much risk they're taking with your money. It's just unfortunate that a lot of advisors don't necessarily have the same definition of what, what risk is. And when we're looking at risk, our, our main definition is how much money do you have in the stock market versus how much money is out of the stock market. Mm-hmm. A lot of advisors think, well, these are good stocks, so it's very conservative. Really? They're still stocks. You can yeah. still lose some money. Doesn't yeah. matter if you call it good or not. You can still lose money in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've we've seen good companies all of a sudden take a very bad turn. Uh, so that doesn't mean anything. You know, there, there's there's no safety net there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If something was a good stock, if that is such a a term, uh, maybe it was at one point. Is it always going to be that way? 
you need to keep evaluating all this. And just one one story we have on on risk, and it's just an unfortunate story, really, is we met somebody who was interested in working with us. She had an advisor uh, for years upon years, and she told us that she was below average risk. You know, just kind of below average. Maybe we would have thought 30, 40, 50% in the stock market when we're looking at that. And we looked at her portfolio, looked at her investments. We said, you've got 100% in the stock oh market. Oh, my gosh. And you're using borrowed money. You're actually borrowing money in your account to buy more stocks. So on a scale of 1 to 10, she was like a 12 or 13. She wow. wasn't the 3, 4, or 5 that we thought she ought to be, that she said she was, saying, well, I'm below average risk. I don't want to take on too much risk. He said, you are beyond the max. You've gone beyond because you're actually borrowing money uh, to, to go out and buy stocks. And what's unfortunate about this is we met her in early 2008. So oh, all no. she had was her end of year 2007 statement. We said, work with us or not, but you got to talk to your advisor because you are taking out so much risk. We followed up with her, followed up with her uh, the year later. 2009, middle of 2009 now, got to meet with her again. And she had already lost over 80% of her money. Oh it's just gosh. absolutely unfortunate. She thought she had conservative type investments, but you got to dig into it. Just because the advisor says this is conservative or this is good or safe, no such thing as a safe stock, right? Yeah. Conservative stock, I don't like those words. If you hear those words, I don't know, just uh, dig, dig deeper into it. It's yeah, a that's, sad uh, story. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. I mean, eighty percent of your your entire retirement fund just gone, and I mean, it's not just. I mean, that was in a year, and and we all know what mm-hmm. happened in oh eight oh nine, and it just that really bothers me. I mean, because that's yeah. to me, and 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 we can get into this in another podcast, and I, I think you've touched on it before, but that's not being a fiduciary. Period. I, I don't care what yeah, anybody says. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. terrible. So you said earlier that you know. Spreading your money out, right? And and I know mm-hmm. that there's a big word for that. Uh, yeah, talked about diversifying before. Um, can you touch on that a bit for us? Yeah, exactly. So the word is diversification. Fancy word for uh, spread things out, right? Tell you a mm-hmm. story. My kids are uh, five and eight, so they like to read Fancy Nancy, right? If, I don't know if anyone's Fancy read the Fancy Nancy. Nancy books. Fancy Nancy, great kids book, but she likes to talk about big words, but then she explains it. All and right. unfortunately, a lot of times. Uh, when we're in our investment world, we use big words, but don't explain it. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to explain a little bit here. So uh, diversification is the fancy word for just spreading things out. Okay. It means don't put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, when you buy stocks, have different types of stocks. When you buy bonds, have different types of bonds. Sometimes you even have more than one uh, bank account just because you have different uh, reasons to, to have that. Diversify mm-hmm. means spread things out. It's one of the ways that you can make sure you have the right level of risk. So step one with this is decide how much risk you're willing to take. And that number, if you're saying like a six out of 10, probably means you want about 60% in the stock market, maybe 40% in other areas like the bond market, the bank accounts, different things like that. But you're not done yet. You need to spread out, have different types of stocks, have different types of bonds. And one thing we wanted to remind people of too, is a lot of times when you work at a company that has their own stock, you, you feel kind of beholden to that stock. It feels safe and it's at home, right? This is mm-hmm, where I go to work mm-hmm. every day. It's a it's a safe stock. So we see it all the time. The people aren't well diversified. They don't have enough different types of stocks. And unfortunately, one of the biggest uh, ways to hurt yourself here is when you have your job and your pension 
sitting around uh, in a company you own a lot of stocks with. So one thing we very much encourage people to do is understand how much risk you're taking with the stock at the company you work with, and perhaps you ought to diversify. Find ways to diversify. Yeah, there's some tax things to think about uh, as well, so there's a deeper story there. But if you've got a lot of money in the stock where you're working at, uh, that's something that you may want to consider diversifying. We had somebody that was considering working with us, and they had 80% of their money in the stock of the company that they worked for. Mm -hmm. And we thought, this is this scene from what you're telling us, this is way too much. This, you know, when they came through and talked about what they needed and what they're looking for, we thought, you've got way too much stock uh, right there. We, we encouraged them to sell it. The stock was in like the mid-50s was the price range. They said, well, when it gets to 60, we'll sell it. Never got to 60. Dropped mm. all the way down below 10. Uh, and oh. that was a lot of money for them to lose. We had another uh, individual, same situation. Their stock was at $41.90. I said, well, when it hits 42, when it hits 42, we'll sell it. I said, really? You're, you're basing your whole retirement. This was all their money. All their money was in the stock oh, where dime. they worked at. On a dime. That's exactly what I said. We're basing this on a dime? Like, let, uh. let, let's think this through a little bit. And unfortunately, same thing happened for them. The stock fell in half uh, before uh, they ended up selling it. And just an unfortunate situation that people hold on to the things that they're familiar with. There's actually a scientific term behavior called familiarity yeah. bias. Yeah, there yeah you go. behavior yes. finance. Yeah. Yeah. People think it's familiar. Oh, that's the bank that I go to every day. Oh, that's where my grandpa worked. Uh, that doesn't mean you should have all your money just in that one, that one stock. So diversifying means different types of stocks, different types of bonds. And one big danger is when you do have your employer stock, the stock where you work, uh, a big portion of your investments. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that the, the things that you teach on this podcast and, and side note, I want to get into behavior finance with you at some point. Can we do a podcast on that? Oh, I love it. I love behavior finance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just the idea of how are people actually behaving, which Mm -hmm. is different than what kind of the scientists think we ought to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to do a podcast on that for sure, because you and I could dive deep into probably a couple podcasts with that. But um, I love how your, what you teach on this podcast is really basic wisdom, right? I mean, you said it, Mm -hmm. don't put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, you, You brought up a great point. You know, my grandpa worked at that, that store. And so that, that feels safe. You know, that, that feels good to me. Look, your grandpa had an old pickup truck too, you know, and it wasn't a good classic one that could be worth lots of money. It was just an old pickup truck. Is that as reliable mm-hmm. as you think it is? <laughs> Would you want that yeah. for your car instead of your nice safe SUV or your, your, you know, your, your nice uh, luxury car? Um, yeah. or, you know, do you want to stick with your car because it's a bit more reliable? It, just because it's familiar, like you said, doesn't mean it's safe. Mm-hmm. So no, that's, that's great. Uh, yeah, definitely. All right. What's, what's yeah. next? Well, the next thing you got to do is rebalancing. Diversifying is great. Spread things out. But I bet you the next day, whatever percentages you put into uh, the model, put into the way you want it to be set up, are probably going to be different. Because the whole point of diversifying is things go up and down at different points in time. And the way to get yourself back in alignment is called rebalancing. And to think of that, we just said spread out your, your funds, spread out, uh, diversify your investments. Well, let's just pretend you didn't. Pretend you had two investments. That's all you had, two all investments. Right. And you put half your money in one and half your money in the other one. Tomorrow, it probably won't be exactly 50-50 because one might have gone up, one might have gone down. The next month, almost the same thing. The next month, you know, it keeps on go- changing to the point where you probably didn't start out or you're probably not at the point 
where you've got 50-50 in those two investments. Maybe you're 60% in one and 40% in the other. That means your risk is different. Your diversification is different. You don't have what you signed up for. You need to get that back into alignment. And what you need to do is rebalance. And the way to rebalance, if you only have the two investments, is you take some profit from the one, and you go buy the other one that happens to be lower. And sometimes people have a, a tough time making that happen. The next step we think is doing this automatically. But the reason why people have a tough time making this happen is they see that that profit, they say, well, it might be keep, keep on going. That's my good stock, right? Uh, people ask us a lot of time, what's the stock market doing these days? Or what's this uh, moderate fund doing? And we like to say there is no such thing as doing in mm-hmm. the stock market. It's what, what it did. There's only past tense in the exactly. stock market. There's no exactly. doing. You know, just because it did... 8% doesn't mean it will do 8%. And when you've got that profit there, that's a good time to help you rebalance. And when you grab some of that profit, go buy the stuff that went down a little bit, you're buying it on sale. And it's a funny thing out here. We're in the Midwest, so we got uh, it's Kohl's apartment stores. I don't know if mm-hmm. you got Kohl's. Oh, How I about do. you, Eric? Yep, we do. Oh, yeah. My, my wife, my mother-in-law, my mom, everyone's so excited when they get that 30% off coupon coming in the mail from Kohl's because it's somewhat rare. Right? You get the 15s, the 20%, but one day you get the 30% coupon, and you can't wait to go to Kohl's to go buy some stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, every so often, the stock market gives you a 30% off coupon. Right? Parts of your portfolio, parts of your investments might be lower by that amount. And the only way to go get that sale is to go buy some more. And when you're rebalancing, you're taking some money off the top from the things that went up. You're using that money to go buy the things that happen to be lower Perhaps it's on sale at the time. Uh, So hopefully you get a good deal out of it. But more importantly is when you're out of alignment because one area went up and one area went down, it's bringing you back into alignment uh, so that you're right there at the same risk level that you signed up for that you want to be at. That's what rebalancing does for you. So how often should somebody be rebalancing, really taking a look at that? Yeah, so that's a a tough question. Uh, A lot of times people do it quarterly. A lot of times people do it once uh, per year. And there's been some studies done. Uh, I saw a study that said once every 18 months is the perfect time. I don't think there is a perfect time to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But every time you are reviewing your investments, uh, once a year, twice a year, four times a year, whatever it is, you ought to look at what's up, what's down, how did this affect our risk? And if it moves your risk out of alignment, uh, then rebalancing will bring your risk back into alignment. That's why a lot of times we recommend doing this automatically. We, we say that if, if you got the choice, whether you're going to buy something or sell something, or the advisor has that choice, a lot of times our human nature, this is that uh, behavioral finance you talked about earlier that mm-hmm. we'll have to get into another time, it kind of takes over and says, no, this stock that went up, it's going to keep on going. This stock that went down, it's going to keep on going down to zero. So I can't sell that stock at a, at a profit. I can't buy that stock uh, at a loss. When you're rebalancing and doing it automatically, you might not get the top point every time. You might not get the bottom price that you're buying it for every time. But doing that automatic rebalancing, whatever it's set for, uh, is going to help you catch more wins uh, by grabbing some profit and buy some more things that happen to be on sale than it would have happened otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. One thing we really need to talk about, too, is you notice that this is the fourth step in the five-step retirement process. Mm-hmm. A lot of advisors, a lot of clients think that should be the first step right? Uh, isn't that what financial planning is about? Is just trying to make more money? Uh, we, we don't think that's the, 
the answer. I mean, that's because you can't control what the uh, stock market's doing. You ought to control some of the things that you've got a lot of control over. And that's why first we started out with figuring out how much you're going to spend in retirement. Mm-hmm. Second, we help you make those decisions on Social Security, pension, these lifetime income areas that you get one shot at it. And from then on out, you can't change it. Uh, you kind of focus on that next. And then we focus on how much money you need to be set aside. That's the, the third part of this uh, process is how much money do you need to have set aside out of the stock market. It's not until we've done all those areas, done all those things that we start looking at your investments. And it's not a matter of picking the best stocks or I'm a better investment advisor than the next one or this portfolio does better than this other portfolio. It's about the things you can control. And you can control how much risk you have up and down in the stock market. Uh, Mm -hmm. That lady I talked about earlier, she had the control. She had the ability to uh, look into her investments and see how much risk she had. She had the ability to talk with her advisor uh, saying that these investments are out of line. So you got the ability to decide how much risk you might want to have in the market. You have the ability to spread things out. You have the ability to rebalance. And you have the ability to set it up automatically if you want to do it uh, that way. So focus so much on the things that you can't control. And we think investing is a, a very important piece of your retirement puzzle, but it's kind of down the line, right, after you've done some other things. Yeah, and, and the other thing that I would say is you have the ability to get a second opinion, right? I mean, that's that's what the lady did. Um, yeah. She came and mm-hmm. spoke with you. Now she, you know, it was kind of too late in her situation because of, mm-hmm. you know, that she was, you know, already all the, all the way in. But... The, mm-hmm. the other couple of examples that you gave were, well, I'm going to wait till it gets to $60. I'm going to wait till it hits $42. They got the second opinion. They chose not to take it. But everybody yeah. listening yeah. to this has the ability to get a second opinion. It, again, it's funny because we're not going to dive into to behavioral finance. However, my advisor, I'm familiar with my advisor, right? I, I've been with my advisor for five years, for 10 years. Yes, there's a relationship there. I'm, I, I'm not going to say that you don't make friends with your, your clients because I know mm-hmm. that you do. You, you, you have relationships with them. However, um, it is still business. If someone listening to this podcast is saying, you know, I've been with my advisor for 10 years. I don't want to break off that relationship. I don't want to hurt his feelings or hurt her feelings. Um, yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> your retirement is incredibly important. There's nothing wrong with getting a second opinion. Um, and, and I would love for them to do that, Jeremy. Can they do that with you in your office? I mean, I know the answer to that. Yes, they can. But yeah, how absolutely. do they do yeah, that? Just, you got it. Uh, give us a call, 262-333-8353. Or check us out online. Uh, we're the Kyle Financial Partners, kylefp.com, K-E-I-L-F-P.com. Love to hear from you. That'd be fantastic. What is the next podcast? What is the last one out of the five? Yeah, you got it. Well, uh, hopefully everything we've talked about in series one through four, the steps one through four, hopefully it all goes well. You get all the money that you've ever wanted in retirement. Uh, But when that happens, you might have some money left over. And we like to say you either leave behind some money or you leave behind some bills. Mm -hmm. And we want to help you be prepared for either scenario, whether there'll be some money left over and how does that get uh, passed along or if perhaps there's some risks you have in your portfolio and in your planning that uh, might cause some bills to be left behind for your spouse, your kids, whatever the situation is. So we'll be talking about estate planning and what different strategies uh, go into that next time. All right. I will look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. We'll talk soon. 
All right. And thank you all for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast with Jeremy Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Jeremy comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family, and I'd love for you to do that. That'd be great. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Kyle Financial Partners, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. Content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.